Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Inside the Eight podcast, my first one of the new year. And I'm very excited to have special guest Nicole Levy, uh, assistant coach at the University of Florida. And Nicole, are you the offensive coordinator or do you have a title like that or just assistant coach? Assistant coach is a title, but I definitely do more with the offense than, than I do. So uh, yeah, <laughs> let's go. We'll it. get, we'll get more into that throughout the podcast, but um, yeah, Nicole's still playing as well. And you're playing this weekend coming up in the California as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I leave um, Friday morning early, I'm excited to get out there and, you know, my stick's always in my hand, but it's different when you're like actually playing games. So I'm excited to see, you know, the work that I put in this, this uh, winter break, see if I'm actually in shape or not. <laughs> I'll actually be out there too, so I can come watch it. Um, oh, great. Yeah. Let's give, give uh, the audience just a little background on like you as a player um, at Syracuse and where you've coached leading up until now. And then we'll kind of dig into more of uh, all the questions. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, st- start a little bit earlier too. grew up, you know, playing the sport. I think first time I put a stick in my hand was when I was like three years old. So was always around it. My dad was always a coach. So even through high school, like I kind of knew that this was the route I wanted and the route that I was going to go. And I just, I love the ability to read the game and teach it to, you know, to the student athletes that I'm working with now. And um, it's, so it's really cool for me to know that at such a young age and then kind of go from there. And every, every move that I've made so far, it's like, a game of chess and and it kind of got me to exactly where I am. So I'm super grateful of all the people along the way and, and, you know, starting with my dad. And then as I got to college, you know, being an attacker at Syracuse, um, playing under Gary Gate, it was, you know, it was awesome because he really just kind of let us play our game and and didn't really try to hold us back in, in sorts of like, you know, um, being creative uh, when it comes to like, BTBs or Twizzlers or anything like that and always encouraged us to try new things and and take it to the next level so um when you know playing for him and getting that experience it kind of made me really understand the game a little bit more and understand myself and and kind of allow myself to adapt uh to find success at at that college level that's awesome I mean you hit so many different main keywords and points that we talk a lot about on this podcast of creativity and just, you know, we talk a lot about pickup games and just like not being confined to doing, you know, specific way of playing an offense of you creating the offense. It's going to create the, you know, the appropriate read or to do the right thing. That's the defense is showing you. And which sounds like your time at Syracuse allowed just that. And I'm sure that helped you kind of become the coach you are today. So from Syracuse, you went, you went where? So from Syracuse, uh, coming out of college, um, I knew, you know, I I had a a couple of options. And then coming out of college, knowing that I grew up Long Island, New York, went to school, Syracuse, New York, I wanted to experience something new a little bit for myself. And then also, like, I think people talk a lot about um, growing the game. And for me, it was it's that but also growing the love for the game. Um, And the best place to do that is out west. So I moved out to Colorado, and I got to you know, learn and, and experience um, working for Ann Elliott Wooden at um, the University of Colorado Boulder, which was an incredible three-year experience. 
Yeah, we have a common common uh, place with Anne. Um, we both love Anne and what she does at Colorado. And um, I think her as a, a mentor in a silent way, she does so many things under the radar and under wraps, I guess I would say, is kind of just like her personality. Give us a little bit more of like what I guess you learned from Anne um, cause that was actually probably your landing place before going off to Florida. Um, and I guess like what made you love coaching more there and what'd you learn from her to get to where you are now? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, coach, when you think of a coach, you know, you're thinking like on the field X's and O's, but, but what really stood out to me about Anne and that I will take with me for the rest of my career is how much, how much effort she puts into each individual player. I mean, I, you know, everyone, you know, you can, you can care a lot about people, but the way that Anne just cares about every single person on staff, on roster and talks about them and is always concerned about how they're doing or, you know, like how they are back home. I think her doing that really instilled an, an amazing culture at Colorado. So I definitely appreciate um, everything that I learned from her on the on that end of um, lacrosse and not just the on-field X and O's, which don't get me wrong, like I learned a lot from her and, and she is more defensive minded. So she gave me a lot of um, control over the offense my first year coming out of college, which was an incredible experience. Like I'm, I'm definitely the type of learner that just wants to get thrown into something and kind of figure it out along the way. Um, but the other thing about coaching too and, and in-game stuff that I learned from Anne is like situational um, you know, like substitutes or when to call timeouts, things like that, and what to say in huddles. So um, definitely, definitely learned a lot from her on, in all aspects. That's awesome. Yeah. I always say to my girls that I coach that are looking at Colorado, I was like, if I had a daughter, I'd want her to go play for Anne. Like she cares so much about you. She's in safe hands, especially with where our sport is. You're usually traveling far. Obviously Colorado is growing as a state of itself. And so is the West coast, but typically people are going far from home. And Anne's a great coach, you know, that you want, you trust your daughter to be with and in good hands. Absolutely. Um, and now she has the, her two kids of her, her own too. So it's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Um, so now you're at Florida. So let's chat a little bit about you being, you know, part of running the offense. Are you running it with Reggie or is it mainly you or where's kind of like the roles of that you, you, Reggie and Mandy play um, at the Florida staff? Yeah, so um, I'm mainly running the offense, uh, kind of like how I did at Colorado. But uh, for me, and and it's awesome that I've worked with two amazing staffs that that feel the same way. And and I think that in order for me to be the best and to get the best out of our team, it's super important that we're collaborative in the office. So we definitely bounce ideas off of each other consistently. But when we do like offense defense divide, I do take the offense, and Reggie will take the defense. Um, the other piece to that too, and and not just collaborating with. I actually had a conversation with about this with two of my draw kids earlier today because I do work with draw girls as well. Um, and I don't want to just be collaborative with the other coaching members. I also want the offense. I want the players, right? I want them to have a say. I want them to be collaborative because it's a different perspective that they're going to get on the field than I am on the sideline. And also I want them to buy into what we're talking about and what we're doing. So I'm not saying that I'm going to give them full control, obviously, but I do like to bounce ideas back and forth and see what works with them and, and play to their strengths. So uh, for me, it's been awesome to work with both Mandy and Reggie collaborative, but also the players as well. And now when you do that collaboration, do you do a drill and then ask them like what worked, what didn't work, or how do you kind of, you know, incorporate that collaboration with your drills and I guess your coaching style? 
Yeah. So it's more of, I, I will base it basically off of what um, talent wise I have on the offensive end and, and what their strengths and having to play to their strengths. And then from there, like, I'll take a kid, an attacker, you know, that has um, like, let's say I, I'll take like Pavanelli or I'll take Emma Pinto. You know, these are very skilled attackers. I wouldn't say that athletically that's Emma's strong suit. I mean, but I would say the same thing about myself, but she is so smart and so good around the crease and getting her hands free. When we're running a two-man game, I would prefer to see her really work that two-man game. Um, and then you can take a midfielder like we have Emily Heller, you know, who is just athletic. She is an athlete all around. And I would treat that more of like, if we're going to run a two-man style, I would treat it more of like a mirror pick because I trust that she's going to take that one-on-one and really go hard to the cage. So I kind of like sit down with each of them and kind of find their strengths. And it's it's more of me telling them what they, I think their strength is, having them hear it back to me, and then us kind of going from there and being like, okay, in this in a two-man situation, I'd want to see you do a mirror pick rather than, you know, the actual seal and roll. Perfect. And now talking about that two-man, three-man, whatever you guys are running, what is kind of your main philosophy on the offensive end? Is it to do a lot of two-man and reading and, you know, put the girls in a motion type situation, or do you do more set plays or what's kind of, the style you guys are looking to run this year. Yeah, definitely. So I believe in more of like a motion offense. I think the team has a lot of chemistry as is, so they're capable of doing that. But my biggest philosophy, and I say this to them almost every day, play fast, don't rush, right? So especially in that two-man two man look, I want them to play full speed. I want them to get to the cage, but it's not always going to be there on the first or second look. Sometimes it's going to take that little bit of time. So for me, it's more of getting them to understand that it's not always that first look, it's the best look. And there can be another, you know, a better look as long as we work that clock a little bit. Uh, Jamie would love that. We t- we do this like iPhone analogy a lot. Jamie and I talk um, about like getting the best look and getting the, the best shot um, as opposed to, you know, taking the down the alley, losing angle shot or whatever a rush shot. And we do this analogy of, you know, you're going into uh, an Apple store and you're given like a whole minute to get the best possible iPhone. If you're given iPhone six right away, would you take it? Or would you wait that extra 30 seconds to get the iPhone 14? You know? So it's it's the same thing with like, you know, the lacrosse shot, like, all right, you're going to take that kind of okay shot in the first 13 seconds, or would you wait those next 30 seconds and really work for the best look? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it also like, it's also interesting to see how they can work out situations like when, you know, sometimes it's not there. I like to, especially in practice to see, okay, are they going to have like the leadership on the field, which is the biggest one? Are they going to have that leadership to be like everyone like, let's take a breath, pull it back out, we'll reset. And then also if there's somebody that's going to take charge and be like, all right, like somebody's got to go like, let, instead of running that two man, like, let's just get to cage, you know, so understanding mm-hmm. like, those different options to be a little bit more dynamic. What are ways that you coach or what are some drills that you love to get your offensive players and your middies to play fast and not to rush? Like, I guess, what are some ways that helps you instill that type of mindset for your, for your attacking girls? Yeah, definitely. So I think for, you know, as we build, I think the most important thing is first of all, like when I, when there's an offense in my mind and and I want to run a certain offense, I think about the looks that they're going to get. And I actually learned this from Ann out in Colorado is, you know, getting these looks 
out of that offense. So maybe if I'm working on an up pick to a like a, a nation's look. So if it's an up pick to a pass down, slip the middle, like that's something that I would rep in a shooting drill so that they understand it. Like not just be like, okay, here's where you go. You know, A goes to B, B goes to C, and then let's just run that live. Um, for me, it's breaking it down into shooting drills, repping it, repping it, repping it when it's not there, swinging it. But one of the, a couple of things I'll do is, you know, I'll take a 4v4, split the eight. So it'll be 2v2 on each side and it's working the on ball and I'll start with just the on ball. The off ball isn't moving at all. They're just hanging out. They work the on ball. If they have an opportunity, great. If they don't, they have to understand that they need to swing it to the other side. And then if the other side runs at two men and from there, we can then build because I like to start small and, and just very basic and build from there. And the next step to that would be making it a four before splitting the eight still, but the two men off ball are still working and still can try to get open. So now that you're teaching them to, you're teaching both them to occupy their defenders and try to get open. And you're teaching the two men that are on ball to not just look at each other, but also hit the backside because there might be openings while they're running their two men. Right. So there's always like a method or I guess a build up in your practice and your methodology. Like we'll start here. We'll get to there. We'll get to there. So you could just, so they kind of understand it. And still sometimes attackers don't understand the connection. And you're like, that's why we did that drill before. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you being a low attacker and working the crease and stuff, do you guys work from behind a lot? Are you looking to work from behind? Do you swing it behind? Do you swing it more up top? Kind of what's your philosophy in that regard? My philosophy is to be as dynamic as possible. I think if I were to sit here and tell you that, we want to attack from behind. I think that is super scoutable. If I said the same thing for up top, again, very scoutable. So we have different, like different sets, but each set we will be attacking from both up top, the sides, down low. It, it won't matter because I do believe that the less, you know, the less scoutable you can be, the more success you're going to find. And then the more dynamic and more players you get involved, the further you will go in the NCAA tournament. Totally. Um, going back a little bit to what we talked about in the beginning and it obviously plays into your offense, the creativity part of like, you know, when to throw the correct behind the back, when to throw the correct Twizzler or lever or like, you know, hitch and go, how do you help, um, make your attackers and your players more creative? What are some ways and drills that you do that? So I think the first thing with that is just like instilling confidence, you know, self-confidence in, in players, especially women between the ages of 18 and 22 that we're, we're working with every day, it's hard for them to find confidence. And I think that we, we do, they need to find their own confidence by repping things and, and getting it themselves. But also I think that we as coaches play a huge um, factor in building their confidence with just things that we say every day in practice. And if we're correcting something like how we deliver it and how we say it to them. So I think it definitely stems from them having that confidence and that trust and, and, you know, ability to do things on their own without having to worry about what, like I'm going to say for them trying it. Um, the next thing with the creativity is I will start. I always do like partner passing because um, I want them to understand the different things they can do. I love the hitch, dip and donk, changing levels, stuff like that. BTBs around the world, anything like Twizzlers, toe drags, like all of that stuff. I'm, I'm very into all of that stick work. And as we build, and again, it comes back to the building blocks and progressing from there. So show them all the tools that they need through partner passing. And then we'll do like 4v3 box passing. So it's working on the deception, which I think creativity and deception go hand in hand. 
Um, you know, like it can be something as simple as being deceptive and throwing a no look pass, or it could be like a fake BTB into like a sidearm. Um, so I, I'll, I'll do build from the partner passing to a 4v3 box, like where they can get those looks kind of passing it around, being deceptive and creative and quick touches. And then from there, I love throwing them into um, man, just man up drills, any man up drills, 3v2 GLE, True North. Uh, the USA buildup drill, uh, Mike Bedford runs one called bombardment, which I absolutely love. But so we do all of these, these different drills and through those drills, they're quick reps. Everyone's getting touches. So it's like, okay, you, you mess up one, you get the ball, like you're going to get another ball. So kind of just going from there, from the confidence to giving them the tools to showing them how and when, and then just letting them kind of play it out and do it on their own. And I, I also stress this a lot to them is like, you should not be thinking about, okay, when I catch this ball, I'm going to run and throw a BTB. It, that's not how it works. Like you, it just needs to happen mm -hmm. and you need to do it. You have no idea what you're like. It, you just know because you're so comfortable doing it every day in practice. And you can recognize that opportunity. Like when, when I shoot behind the back, if I shoot through the legs, like it was not, I wasn't thinking about it. It just kind of happened. And it was the best look to take there. So I think, right. yeah, getting the girls like, all right, I did this for a purpose, not because it's cool looking and flashy and I can do it because I'm that skilled, but also is the most appropriate shot to take. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely stress that. Um, you yeah. would really like a drill that's actually on the women's coaches training content that Jamie has. And I did it last week with him and Delray is a three V two or four V three outside the arc. So you can't go in the, and you have to like hitch and it's working on outside shots. I think you would like that a lot. Yeah, we're doing it tomorrow in practice. I absolutely oh, love it. Are. I got it early at your uh, Philly's finest. Oh, camp. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yes. I love it. It's awesome. And it really gets them to hitch and like draw that defender or well, hitch and they don't, and then you can go. Yeah. And actually, to even play off that a little bit, what my favorite part about that and like a drill like I presented this year at um, our convention, it was called American Sniper Drill. And, and for me, I mean, I was always an outside shooter. I wasn't always, let me rephrase that. I used to be a Dodger, got to college, 5'2", not the fastest, not the strongest, <laughs> not the biggest. So for me, I, I kind of developed to be that outside shooter. And everyone always wants to be like, oh, like, I want to I want to shoot it as hard as you. And I'm like, first of all, I don't even shoot it that hard. It's more placement and knowing exactly when, when I have the opportunity, right? It's finding the gaps in the defense. So drills like that one that you're talking about, the 4v3 around the arc, I think a, like a huge piece to pull away from that is working on finding the gaps in the defense. Like as the ball's in the air, you shouldn't be standing still. You should either be, I use four terms around the eight. So you're either creeping or you're fading back to eliminate that sliding defender. You're creating more space, making that slide longer. So it's the creep, fade, pinching in or popping out. Um, those are the four terminologies that I like to use. But I think that drill does an awesome job at not only working on the outside shot, but also working on how to set yourself up for that and reading the defense while the ball's in the air. Yeah, totally. And I think the biggest thing for the younger girls listening or like youth coaches that are putting this in, like when it's outside the arc, you're actually moving more. You're doing one of those four things that you just said. Like you exactly. have to be moving your toes and your body. If not, it just doesn't work. It just looks like a really bad drill. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to watch Florida play this year. Who do you guys uh, open up with in your season? We open up with uh, Michigan on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, no. Nah. Amazing. This is great. Two of my favorite stats. Um, <laughs> exactly. 
So moving just so I can, you know, get my mindset to watch your offense and listen to like what you're doing and all that stuff. But moving into like the draw work a little bit, did you start to do the draws at Colorado and did you have to learn it there or did you take it at Syracuse? Um, So (laughs) never taken a draw at Syracuse. And so first I actually did want to touch at this at some point, because I'm sure you've heard me mention a couple of other coaches and things that I've learned and drills that I've learned is also my style, especially as a, as a young coach is I, I considered myself um, a student of the game as well. So I'm constantly pulling from other coaches and, and learning new things. And I, I'm, I like to, you know, like, I guess for analogy, for lack of a better analogy, I'm a sponge, you know, I want to absorb as much as I possibly can and then tweak it and make a little bit of my own. So when it came to the draw, having no experience, all I could do was just learn from other people. So I've done a bunch of different things with that. You know, I've taken from Taylor Cummings, Sammy Joe, um, Haley Warden, and uh, I loved Colleen Share did a really, really great draw demo um, demonstration kind of thing at the IWLCA clinic. And it was amazing. So for me at Syracuse, I had a injury my senior year. I had ankle surgery in the fall. So I was out all fall and I was on one of my, I was on the little scooter. So I would scoot around practice and I would follow Caitlin DeFelice um, and Reggie because I really wanted to learn more just about how they were talking to their players and engaging with their players. But also I um, I would follow Morgan Widener around and I would learn from Julie Cross, uh, right? Because the, them two, like they were some of our main draw takers. And I knew that coming out of college, I wanted to coach. And I also knew that a lot of times new coaches on staff do take that responsibility in, in the draw team. So in order to build my resume, because my entire life, like I said, it's been a, like a ch- playing chess, like everything is calculated. I knew that that was something I was going to need to build on because it's definitely it was definitely one of my weaknesses. And so I spent that whole fall just kind of learning as much as I could from them. And then once I graduated, it was also learning from other coaches, YouTube, different drills, anything that I could possibly get and put together. And um, although I cannot take a draw, I feel very confident in teaching it. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I I have a similar kind of stories that like I didn't take the draw at Northwestern but I was on the draw team at that time in college I was like this is so much extra time I had to show up like an hour before practice I'm never going to take a draw I'm like a low defender but now I'm so thankful because right when I started at Colorado I could teach the draw I knew everything that I was taught so like you I was like I'm not going to be the draw taker but I know how to teach it I know what they're kind of doing wrong or with their hands and you just never know when that information is going to be so useful And I really love what you did as an injured player. As I say to, I've had a couple ACL tears and some girls that are young that, you know, so devastated right before recruiting or about recruiting. I'm like, take this time to go learn the game in another way that you've never been able to do as, you know, not injured. So I was like, come on the sideline with me, come to practice and go to a different position, like learn it because you don't ever have this time back to you where you're not like going a thousand miles a minute getting into your normal position, doing most of the same stuff. So I love that you said that when you're injured to take it, like, and you didn't just go to the attacking side, like what you're most comfortable with you, you learned and you, you went to a side that you probably didn't go back to when you got back out on the field. Right. Definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's very taking by the crease. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So getting into a little bit of, um the defensive side I know Reggie mainly does that but obviously you learned it and you're 
you're part of the game. You hear it, you see it. What kind of at Florida are you guys? Are you mainly man to man? Are you do you zone? Do a bit, a little bit of both? Um, where what are you kind of doing doing at Florida? Yeah, again, like coming back to the trying not to be scoutable and trying to be dynamic. Yeah. And plus, it, you know, it never it always depends on kind of like your opponents. You know, playing to, you don't want to play to their strengths. Like if I'm playing a team that's really good against a zone, probably not going to play a zone. So definitely like to do a little bit of both and, and have it ready in our back pocket. Yeah. Now, when you are, you know, getting your attackers ready, do you have them kind of just show you everything? Or you're like, you have your defenders be ready to like switch on picks, stay on picks, like a little bit of everything, just so you can get, I guess, used to playing all sorts of different defenses. Definitely. Yeah. Um, A lot of everything, because again, like you said, yeah, it's, it's super important that our attackers or midfielder, our offense is comfortable playing against everything right because they never know well they will know we, we will scout but it can yeah. change game by game right totally um and getting into that so your middies that are playing both ways at florida do you guys and even going back to colorado and i guess you're playing days at syracuse do you guys run three lines like straight middies do you run a mid d mids what do you think is like the most effective and like what do you kind of do at florida and what do you do at colorado yeah, so I think it uh, goes back to kind of depending on your personnel. Like this fall, we have we have three midi lines. We have two solid midi lines. So I think we'll probably switch between the two of them. Um, and you, every every day, every practice, every day is a tryout. And if there's a really good attacker that is proving herself that she should be on the field, but we have four solid attackers as is, we will consider making that fifth person a an A mid, and then we'll run a D mid, um, just to get yeah. make sure that we have the personnel we need on the field, um, so that everybody is a threat. And then the other thing is definitely like I believe strongly in having, and this might be me biased, being biased, but I strongly believe in having a specific man up or man down squad that'll go out there. Um, yeah. Right. So typically, like if we're going man up, I will pull a midi and I'm going to put an on an, an extra attacker uh, just to make sure that we, you know, we're getting the job done, because I do believe, you know, I, I understand that the goal is going to make saves. Defense is going to make stops. But I do think that we should be getting a decent opportunity at least 95 percent of the time. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. And that I mean, I think that probably creates a, such a competitive atmosphere at your practices. And I'm sure it's the same at Colorado and Syracuse of just like anything can change. And if you're proving yourself, the coaches will make adjustments to get you on the field. Um, so I think a lot of times, sometimes girls show up and they're like, they already have their four attackers. I'm like, you shouldn't have that mindset. If you keep crushing it and you start like gaining that momentum, you'll find yourself on the field, whether it's an aimed or that first sub. Um, and obviously the more legs, the better, which ha- with how fast the game is being played now. Absolutely. And even with that, you're, they might not even realize it um, because I definitely wouldn't have realized it at their age. But like looking back, you're also just challenging, you know, your teammates every day. You're making them better, which is says says a lot more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I would say like literally I might have said this before on another podcast, but I remember my freshman year when I wasn't getting much time at Northwestern and Morgan Lathrop came up to me right before the national championship. And she was like, you practiced so hard this week. Thank you for preparing the starters for this game. And I was like, that never meant so much to me, like ever. And I was like, Oh, I didn't really realize my role matters, you know, cause you don't when you're not starting or, you know, what you're right. doing on the field. But like still to this day, I remember that conversation very clearly. And it might've been like one of the most impactful things compared to when I was starting playing. 
Um, Definitely. No, that's awesome. So going into a little bit of just like the pace of play, um, your practice style, what you guys are doing at Florida, are you like, you know, running through drills fast? Are you guys, you know, watching a ton of film, not a lot of film? What's kind of like your season look like in the structure of your practice and preparing for season? Yeah. So I think as we went through the fall, a lot of it was slowing it down a little bit, you know, um, more instruction, more film and breaking things down. And now we started, so our first, we're in eight hours. Um, and yesterday we started our little bit of practicing and I wanted to make sure that I want to set a tone from day one, that this is your, we are going to have fun, but I need you to work hard in order for us to, to do that. And it was an amazing practice, high energy, super positive. Like they got a lot of reps, but like it was, it was quick. We were going fast paced. We're going from one drill to the next, to the next. And um, I think that it, it, I want to have that high intensity, that high speed, but again, I want to play fast, not rush. So when there are things that I need to, you know, that's not just me telling them that that's something that I need to remember as a coach too. If I see the same, like, if I see a mistake, okay, well, like, point it out briefly, but kind of let it go. But if I see it over and over again, I will stop it. And then we, we will continue to like address it a little bit more. And then maybe the next day in practice, we do something specific to that because I saw a lot of that being um, that mistake being made multiple times. So like that philosophy of playing fast, but not rushing is, is definitely something I do as a coach too, but I do love the high intensity. I love the fact that these Florida girls are, so willing to compete at such a high level against each other every day in practice. Um, and I also love that I don't even, I don't have to ask them to do extra work there. I look out my window and they're out there just shooting or playing wall ball and they, they're here to play, you know, they're here to play lacrosse. They didn't come here to play school. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it was the same, you know, at Northwestern too, even though it was pretty high academic standards we were there but lacrosse <laughs> um but uh it does also it doesn't hurt that it is a beautiful majority of the time where you're at <laughs> that is very true yes when it's uh, when it's sunny and sunny here in, in january it's easy for them to have an excuse to get outside <laughs> i when i was looking at your post that you guys are back i'm like oh it's so amazing that they're just in shorts and a t-shirt and they're outside um, going back to Chicago, January 3rd was always a little tough when we didn't have an indoor and you right. were the same, but you had an indoor. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was going to say, yeah, I did not go outside very often, <laughs> but yes, it's, it's awesome here and we have really great facilities for them to use. So it's, it's great. That's awesome. Um, we usually wrap up this podcast with just a little bit of recruiting talk. So just as 25s and those 24s that are still uncommitted, going through the summer, um, what is your kind of biggest piece of advice for those girls that are getting ready for a big summer? Um, what do you look for, I guess, when you're watching at the tournaments and what do you look for when you're coaching in camps? So specifically what I am looking for is I want to look at the kids that don't just make themselves look good on the field. I want the kids that are making their teammates around them look good. And, and that can come from obviously make having an assist but the little things like you know setting a pick off ball for their teammates or um get, being in a double and hitting that quick pass out of the double so it can swing to the back side right like unselfish things like that I also I'm and by doing all that stuff too it, it comes back to like my whole piece on like I want to have IQ I want them to have a certain 
um, understanding of the game before they come to me. I obviously will continue to grow with them, but I think that you get to that next level and, and everybody's going to have, you know, everyone's going to be fast. Everyone's going to have somewhat of stick work. Like your stick work needs to be next level and your IQ needs to be next level in order for them to really succeed. Um, but specifically what I would say to them as, as advice is going through the process when I was younger, I don't even remember recognizing the coaches that were on the sideline. I think a lot of, a lot of kids these days are, are like, even parents sometimes are like, Hey, like, I, just so you know, the Florida coach is here. Like, you shouldn't be putting that pressure on your kid. They shouldn't be worried about that. They need to just go out there and play every game like as they normally would and, and have fun with it, you know, instead of putting all this pressure on them. Because we watch them throughout the entire fall, throughout the summer. If you make one mistake during one half of a game that I'm there, it's not going to end all be all, right? And then the other piece to all this too is if you want to really show a coach that you're interested, don't just email us a hundred times because we also know that you can email other coaches a hundred times too. come to our camps, really show that kind of general interest or like make your emails a little bit more specific towards our program. Totally. Yeah. Now when you're at those camps, um, how much do you get out of that like coachability piece or like just like working with them and like that part? That's what I, that's the most important part. And I think it goes both ways, right? Because it goes for a player, like, let's say I really wanted to come to Florida. Like that was my dream school, but I get there and I'm like, oh, I don't know if like, this is really my style of coaching. Like that's something important. The kids should, should know as well. So I think going mm -hmm. there, but also for me, it gives me an opportunity to, yes, like have conversations with the kid, these kids, get to know them as players, like to kind of critique what they're doing and see if they can actually apply that in the scrimmages. Because a lot of times when we run our camp, we do drill, we do drill sessions, we'll do skill sections, and then we'll do the night session is usually our, our game. So I want to see like, okay, are you listening to me in these drills and these skill sessions and then just going, doing whatever you want in the scrimmage, or are you listening and actually applying that? And um, I actually think that that's like all super important. And I actually worked at camp this uh, past weekend, and I got a really, really, really good quote that I was able to use. And it's education gives you knowledge. Intelligence is the ability to apply that knowledge. So mm -hmm. I can give you all the education, but it's your it's you on you to have that intelligence to apply it to what you're doing. That's a huge one. I think that applies so much to girls across, especially girls across in the recruiting world, because they want it so badly, but to actually apply things that like matter. Does that make sense? Like I still have girls that just want to score 50,000 goals. I'm like, if everyone wants to score 50,000 goals, we're going to play our worst lacrosse. So you absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's awesome. I really appreciate all that information. I hope all the listeners out there uh, learned a lot. I can learn a little more, more about Nicole Levy. Can watch her play this weekend. Is your game being live streamed or is it like on TV somewhere? I believe it will be streamed. Honestly, I'm not that sure. I, I just, yeah, sign me up. I want to play. Let's do it. <laughs> I was pumped. I was like, I'm going out to coach at Sandstorm this weekend. And I saw it. And I was like, oh, sweet. Nicole's playing. So I'll hop over there and watch you guys um, cheer you on. And then, yeah, go Florida Gators. Can't wait to watch you guys this season. Big one against Michigan Wolverines to open up the season. And we'll be watching you. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much.